1102, Dr. Payne. Dr. Lou is here. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. That's to get a hold of after the show, but uh, for here, for now, for the next hour, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. What's going on, my brother? Not too much. Very didactic, the way you yeah. started, and then you became more you. You like that, eh? I do. It's weird. Yeah, I don't like you that much. <laughs> who does? Who do, get in line, son. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What's I the update, you. buddy? What's going on with you? What do you want to talk about? Uh, what's we been happening in your kinds. world? Well, you know, obviously with our with our knee clinic initiative, yeah. we've been seeing a ton of knee injuries. Um, but I think we've talked about that quite a bit. Now, we're ha- I'm happy to take calls on mm-hmm. that. Anybody's got knee concerns. But I think we should talk about some other things All just right. so people don't forget. I think we should probably uh, go back to the good old spine, oh, good yeah. old low back and neck pain, right? One of those things everybody's got it. Low back pain is the second most common cause of lost time work in the Western world, only second to um, common cold. Really? Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not shocked by that. I'm not because yeah. I'm a sufferer. It's yeah, like, man, it's constant. Pain. Yeah. So, I mean, we, you know, we, you can have anytime you're looking at back pain again, anytime you're looking at any pain type of syndrome, what, what a professional's job becomes is what is the spectrum? So we know you have pain, but what is causing that pain? Right. And you can have some very, very benign causes. Most most often they're the benign causes. Let's, let's just uh, make sure everyone realizes that. Simple muscle injuries, things like that, ligament strains, uh, or sprains, sorry, muscle strains. Um, then you can get into more of the middle ground of severity when you're dealing with things like disc bulges, disc herniations, uh, which, you know, again, are overall benign. They're not life-threatening, but they are going to take time to get better. They can affect your quality of life significantly oh, yeah. and your activities of daily living. And then as we continue to progress, you might, you know, you, we've talked about cauda syndrome, uh, which is obviously very, very concerning and an immediate uh, medical emergency. Um, and then you can get into some very, very uh, serious things like cancers can cause uh, different types of low back pain. But again, that is very, very rare and very, very unlikely. Out of the thousands yeah. and thousands of people that I've seen with low back pain, I only have seen one or two cases where it's been due to something absolutely severe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I, I talked about an example a few weeks ago with a patient that had the osteomyelitis, which is a bone infection. Okay. And again, that's extremely rare. Most often, you know, 99.9% of the time, your back pain is not due to something that serious, but back pain is very, very, very common. And again, most often it will fall from the the very benign, like the simple muscle strains all the way to the disc herniations. And and I think we should probably talk within that area because those are the areas, um, you know, that affect the majority of the population and how you handle it. So one question that I get asked a lot is, if you've hurt your back, what's the initial, like, you know, when when people talk about, I threw out my back, I couldn't move. Yeah. Okay. And the question becomes, what do I do? What do you, what do you do at that point? A lot of the times people are rushing to an emergency room. Okay. Is that the best thing to do? It's again, I would say you should, you, you should reserve an emergency room for when there's a true emergency. So if you have sudden onset back pain with other symptoms all of a sudden you can't feel your leg you can't feel your genitals you start losing control of your bowel bladder those types of things that is absolutely you're going to an emergency room but if you were lifting something you threw out your back you're going to go to an emergency room they're really not going to do very much for you and i see a lot of patients that come in say you know i threw out my back i went to an emergency room they gave me some morphine and they sent me on my way right 
that's all they're going to do. They're not yeah. going to give you an answer as to what's causing this. They're All they're simply going to make sure is that you're not going to die or there's nothing severe that's going to happen to you within the next 24 to 72 hours. And off you go. And off you go. Yeah. And so then it's the job of going back to your primary health care provider, whether it's your you know family doctor or your chiropractor that you see for your issues. So in the acute scenarios... I would say when people have thrown out their back and, and, and you know, they're in an antalgic posture, which means they're kind of shifted to one side, those things start to suggest it's probably some type of disc issue. Okay. Um, there's a lot of inflammation that happens at that time, so you should take as many anti-inflammatory measures as you can. So a lot of the times getting medication, now again, that doesn't mean you have to go to, a, to an emergency room, but again, a walk-in clinic. Uh, or an urgent care center. Now, there is an exception. If you've thrown out your back and you're in such severe pain, no matter what walk-in clinic or urgent care clinic you go to, they're not going to be able to administer their medication to you intravenously. And the advantage of an emergency room with morphine or something like that is they can do it intravenously, and it's much quicker response right. to your body. Um, so so that's the one other option, depending on how, how, ba- uh, how much you can handle pain. Uh, but in general, you know, it's not an emergency room visit. I would, you know, for the first three to five days, what you're really looking for is to manage that pain. Uh, and really your best friend in those times is medication. And again, I'm a big believer of you shouldn't overdo the medication, but when it's necessary, it's necessary. Use it for what it's there for. Yeah, right? absolutely. And in those times when you're that acute, that bad, going for therapy, those types of things, you can actually make yourself worse. Even when I see people who come into the clinics for therapy and they initially present this way, I say, go back home. You're going to be on medication for three to five days. Then you're going to come back in. The next thing you have to be aware of is, and then this is general again, Mm -hmm. because it very much depends on the way a disc herniation happens, but most disc herniations will be aggravated with flex posture at the pelvis. That means sitting prolonged periods of times, bending, twisting. So if you've undergone some type of back sprain that, you know, where you, you seem like you can't move around, you shouldn't be forcing yourself to bend, twist and sit for long periods of time because all you're doing is aggravating that disc. And, you know, Keep an eye out on the symptoms if they progress into the legs. That's where we start to get a sense of is the nerve being affected because it's much easier to deal with something that is localized to just the back if it's affecting just the back versus if it also starts to affect the nerve going down into the legs. Um, And then, you know, neurological types of symptoms include things like numbness and tingling, paresthesia, which means an altered sensation. So just something feels weird. Uh, You can get tightness, cramping, fasciculations. All these types of things are neurological types of symptoms. And so those are things to keep an eye out for. And, you know, another thing that's really important if you've hurt yourself and you know you're eventually going to go get therapy or go to a doctor, which you should, of course, um, Keep an eye out on what's making you feel better and what's making you feel worse. Right. That helps the people. Have a diary, figure. pain diary. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Your phone calls wide open, 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You got questions for the good doctor. He is here right till 12 o'clock. Bring him on. would love to talk to you in the Dr. Payne Show. Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 11-12. Lots of time for you to call. Get your questions asked. We'd love to talk to you. 416-870-6400, star 640 on sale. You know someone, your uh, friend, relative, family members in pain, always had questions about it. Bring it on. Love to uh, love to talk to you. Dan, good afternoon good or good morning. How are you, pal? I'm great. Uh, listen, I, I've had an ongoing problem that started last September uh, w- with my neck. Um, started off with kind of like a tingling, like uh, like a piece of hair or something on, and gradually it's it's progressed to the point where I have a series of uh, a tingling numbness through my right shoulder, the right side of my chest. I have a lot of tightness in, uh, I guess you would call it the trap muscle 
going right up into the neck. And I've also been told I have arthritis of the neck. Now, one doctor I've seen is, uh, sent me to, like, I guess, a pain management clinic where they're talking about sticking needles in the side of my neck mm-hmm. using an X-ray and injecting something into my neck. Now, the, it's, it's got to the point so bad where a couple of days ago I drive truck for a living. I had to pull off the highway because for some reason that day the pain became excruciating. And I could barely drive. I pulled over. I rested for 10 minutes, and I continued on. I went to Scarborough General. I saw a doctor there. I've got uh, – I've been using Robaxacet lately, which hasn't really done anything. I've got something called cyclobenzaprine, yep. uh, along with about five other prescriptions they gave me to help manage the pain and uh, loosen up the muscles. So my question is, uh, what would be the doctor's opinion as to what – could possibly be the problem. Like I said, I, I've been told I have uh, arthritis in uh, about three or four of the vertebrae in my neck. All the pain is on the right side, and it gets really severe. Now, the drugs I'm taking now have really helped tremendously. I'm curious about uh, what I should expect from getting the injections in my neck. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's a tough one because I'd have to see the imaging. Now, if, if, you, know, if you have something like stenosis going on where it's actually uh, stenosis due to the spondylarthropathy, which is the degeneration of the bone, then there's very, yeah, then sometimes injections do tend to be the better options in those scenarios because you could do all the therapy in the world and it's not going uh, to make a, a difference. But the important thing that I always recommend is you want to make sure that what you see clinically, so that means when a doctor's assessing you in an office, what you're seeing clinically is correlating with the images. And that's where I'm uncertain speaking to you on the phone. I'd have to make sure does the way you present clinically in an office where I, you know, do different orthopedic testing, different neurological testing, does that match up with what we see on the imaging? Because the research would suggest that that's usually 50-50. And a lot of times people are just saying, yeah, it's, it's what we see on the imaging, but but they're not correlating it with what they're seeing in the patient. So, you know, I think I'd have to assess you for sure in order to be certain on what is your best option. But yes, in instances where, um, you know, it's something like stenosis where there's pressure on the nerves from the bones, it is there's there's different things that could be done now i am always a bigger fan of starting very very conservatively and moving towards more invasive options as we determine that the conservative options are not working so what i mean and i'm just going to again speak generally i would say to someone you know let's start with a course of therapy first do therapy for two three months if that is not working then let's move to something else or what or maybe home care or whatever if that's not working, then moving towards more invasive measures like injection. So, um, you know, I'd be happy to assess you, but I think step one is making sure that w- how you present clinically correlates with what we see on that imaging that you're you're saying you have. Now, that, that tingling sensation I got, uh, the best way I would describe it is, you know, the electric patches they put on for the muscle stimulation? Yep. That's exactly what it feels like, and it comes and go. I have it all day long, and it, like I said, it comes up my right side. It comes up uh, into my ear, up the right side of my face as well. Yeah, exactly, and I mean, that that definitely suggests that you have neurological symptoms that, that we know for sure just based on what you're saying in terms of uh, – Um, your symptoms, that there's something neurological going on, which means the nerve is being affected. 
again, the question becomes what is affecting the nerve? I've seen people who are told that they have, you know, a disc herniation and that's the cause of their numbness and tingling. Mm -hmm. And then you end up looking at the images and you start doing some testing and you end up figuring out, no, this is more of a muscular issue. There's a lot of things that can put pressure on a nerve, not just bones and not just the disc. It could be muscular. It could be positional. It could be related to just what you do day to day. And finally, your body is starting to break down right where it's reached the point of no return. And, and that's what I mean. But yeah, definitely based on the numbness and tingling that you're having, that's definitely the nerve is being affected the question becomes what exactly is affecting the nerve okay so how would i get in touch with you or your office or whatever for a consultation at least yeah 1-855-55 dr lou um if you want to book an assessment directly you can call 416-744-7900 okay okay perfect thank you very much no problem thanks danny appreciate that Uh, we'll move on donna how are you good morning i'm good morning how are you this morning Okay, what's going on? What's happening? Uh, my issue is with my knees. Three years ago, I tore the meniscus in my knee, and when they did x-rays, they told me I have severe arthritis in my knees, and I'm bone on bone in both knees. Last August, I had injections of, I think it's called hyaluronic acid, mm-hmm. and it was wonderful. It worked wonderfully, but now just in the last two weeks, I find that the pain in my left knee has gotten extreme again. My husband listens to you every week. He suggested that I give you a call because you've got some new and different treatments. Sure. You know what? Let, let's take a break because we can tackle yep. this, and I want to talk a little bit more than just answer it quickly. But, yeah, we'll we'll get back to you. Stand by, Donna. We'll get to you and you as well. 416-870-6400. Star 640 on cell. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Yeah, it is 1120. Got lots of time to call in. Would love to talk to you. We're uh, not really focusing on back, but that's how we started. So if that's a concern, please call and get some answers. Donna, thanks for uh, thanks for hanging on knee bone on bone yeah so so you mentioned yeah i mean it again it depends at what point um the bone on bone is so you know have you been told whether this is moderate or severe or or have you not been told that um i haven't been told that they did use the term severe arthritis three years ago Okay. Uh, but they did say they don't want to do a knee replacement because I'm only 53. And you're 53 right now? Yeah. Yes, yeah, I mean, so now. so you are still relatively young, and obviously the longer that you can wait, um, the better, just because I think the stat is that, you know, around 80% of knees that are replaced have to be replaced again within 15 years. So if you had one at 53, again, by the time you're close to 70, you may have to do it again. You do want to minimize... Uh, maybe probably doing it only one time in your life. Having said that, uh, when we've had Dr. Bergav and Dr. Gordon on, the only person that, like, the only thing that really matters when um, when it comes to your knee and, and forgetting about the stats and the ages, if you get to the point where you can't bear with it anymore, yeah. then you got to do it, right? Because that is really the best thing when it comes to severe bone-on-bone is getting that knee replacement. There are, we've done a show, a couple of shows actually, on what's called PRP injections, uh, which are platelet-rich plasma, which is essentially you're taking your blood, extracting what are known as the platelets out of the blood, and re-injecting that back into the knee. It's really good for breaking down the inf- inflammation that leads to a lot of pain. The research, however, would suggest that it's most beneficial in the mild to moderate osteoarthritis. Once you start getting into the severe osteoarthritis, your outcomes are diminished. That doesn't mean it won't help at all. It's just harder for us from a research perspective to say that, yes, it will help you. But, you know, I I would say, come see me. Let's take an x-ray of your knees. Let's do an up-to-date one. Uh, We could see where it's at and kind of determine what your options are. But, you know, sometimes you just, uh, you got to forget about the age factor and all those things. I, I think there was one surgeon, I can't remember who it was, that said to me, 
that they'll often tell their patients that are in kind of your scenario where they're young. If you get to the point where you can't sleep for like six months because of knee pain, uh, then it's time to replace your knee because yeah. once it starts affecting even your sleep, then it affects everything else. So, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, that's kind of, and I thought that was a really interesting way to look at it. Now, again, that's not based on any, you know, great research. That's kind of his clinical opinion. Uh, but, you know, I, I tend to kind of agree if it gets to the point where it's affecting every little bit of your life, including your sleep, then sometimes it's the option. But I'd have to x-ray your knees and take a look at it to see, um, you know, really how bad it is and, and uh-huh. kind of give you your options from there. And how does the PRP compare to the uh, hyaluronic acid that the doctor used last August? Uh, much, much better. I mean, when we've had Dr. Bergam and Dr. Gordon, and her, who are two knee, knee surgeons on uh-huh. the show, when it comes to, like, the hyaluronic acid, the cortisone injections, the research is very, very good to suggest that it's absolutely useless. Yeah, they're not fa- it's, no it's, that's, And that's the, like based on their review. Now, that does. it's great that it's worked for you and you are one of, you know, out of 100 people that I see with a knee issue that have had okay. some type of injection, you're, you're like one out of that 100 that says, oh, it actually worked. I most often, even clinically, will hear it didn't do anything or it was good for a couple of days and then I was right back to where it was. Okay, so okay. If, if it works, then the PRP will probably really work. So what I should do is make an appointment and come see you. Yeah, well, again, every time someone calls me for PRP, again, I, I want to make sure. So my main objective is not to, you know, there's a therapy and we want to give that therapy to everyone. We want to line mm-hmm. up the person with what the right intervention is to get for them to have the best prognostic value. If I x-ray your knee and we see severe bone-on-bone arthritis, I'm going to reiterate what I just said with when it comes to the research. The research is going to suggest that your best option is the knee replacement and the PRP injection is a it's a 50-50 at that point. It may or it may not work. If you fall within mild to moderate, then your chances of it working are much better. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Don. I'm going to let you go. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. To uh, carry on in that regard, got uh, Michael online. Hey, Michael, good morning. Hi there. Um, so I had a, in October 2017, I was off work for six weeks. Um, I had an MRI and it showed that I had a central disc protrusion mm. of L5-S1 in the anterior facing. Okay. And um, it, it said no nerve root damage or like no, no nerve touching or anything, but yep. I still was getting tightness in the lower back and in the hip area, mm-hmm. sometimes down the, the thighs and the leg. Yep. Um, I, I did the physio, chiropractor, massage, I've been to see seeing an osteopath in the past like eight months. Um, nothing's worked. I recently just went back to get another follow-up MRI, and uh, the results were it's gotten actually worse. Mm-hmm. Like so, the I guess the protrusion has increased. Okay. They have like, and um, it still says no nerve root. Uh, touching or whatever. I yeah. So, damage, so let but, me let me interrupt yeah. you there, Michael. This is yeah. the perfect example of where imaging. I mean, the reality is we're human beings and we're we're prone to not being perfect. So you can take an MRI and see those types of things. What's more yeah. important is what you're saying. There's no impingement on the nerves or on the spinal cord. So that's yeah. just a, a disc bulge that's sitting there. It's not necessarily. It might be. You know, here's the problem with MRIs. They're done with you laying down. What happens to that disc bulge when you bend forward, when you bend back? That is maybe more relevant. But you say you've done everything. I'm going to ask you something. Have you done a good rehabilitation program where every single day you're working on exercises, strengthening your core and those types of things? 
yeah, like I was seeing a, a physiotherapist two to three times a week. I was even off work and I was going to see them and it wasn't like and you were doing and you were doing rehabilitation every single day on your own at home as well and you continue to do that? Yeah, pretty much and like and it's just kind of gotten worse. Okay. What, what they, are you they doing? Kind for... had, they kind of modified it to where I wasn't bending forward because they said where the disc protrusion was, it was anterior facing. So he, sa- he said like forward flexion was not good, but extension was better for it. So, so, so you were doing more stretches. Were you doing any strengthening of your low back and your core? Not really. Not okay. Much. Then that, then that is your only, that is your best next step. If okay. you do not rehabilitate the back in terms, you know, every time I ask someone, were you doing, and I guess, you know, again, the average person won't know this, but I don't care yeah. too much about the stretches and those things. What I care about is that you are doing the proper strengthening program for your core and your low back every single day, multiple times a day. And that doesn't take someone showing you that two or times, two or three times a week. That's me showing you one day, following up with you in two weeks, making it harder and continuing that. It's more training than it is uh, therapy. Right. That If okay, you have so ongoing you back pain, that is what yeah. you need to be doing next. Okay. Okay. Give me a call and we'll set someone up, some something up for you. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate the call. One eight five 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 five. Doctor Lou D R L O U. Linda, take this one before we break. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Good. What's going on with you? Okay, I have a problem which seems weird, um, but it's been going on for a long time. But it got worse starting last January. I can't sit for more than about half an hour, and I have to stand up. And when I stand up, I can hardly walk for a minute until my legs get going. Um, I could stand all day and I would be fine. Um, Even when I'm in bed, uh, my legs hurt. And uh, if I go to sleep, when I wake up in the morning, I have such terrible pains in my legs and it takes me a little while to get them going in the morning. And does it sound like anything you've heard of before well yeah but you know again I'm going to need a lot more information so let's start with some basic things how old are you I'm 70 okay and and what's like are you overweight at all are you underweight what's kind of your body okay I am a little overweight I'm about 170 and I'm 5'6 okay yeah so do you get swelling in your legs I get a little bit of swelling in one leg okay do you have any cardiovascular issues like uh, diabetes or heart disease, no. anything like that? No, nothing. Yeah, I mean, so so right off the bat, there's there's the issue of being overweight, the age, um, those things, and the swelling. It might be some type of a vascular issue. Um, it could also be a neurological issue where uh, it becomes related to maybe there's again some type of disc herniation, putting pressure on the nerve. Doesn't really make sense with with the positioning, and and you're saying that actually moving around. Well. I guess to some extent it could make sense. But again, it's one of those things that there's so many things that I'm thinking right off the bat, but we got to do a proper assessment in order for me to tell you what it could be. But, you know, right off the bat when you're saying it and and I'm thinking about, you know, we got to consider is there severe arthritis in the low back? Is there potentially a disc herniation? Is it potentially what's called vascular claudication, which is just due to poor circulation that tends to happen as you get older and it would be even more compounded if you were overweight? Diet is going to matter. In, in assessing what's your diet overall like. So there's a lot of things. But, um, you know, again, it's, you're living with this right now. I, I would encourage you to see whether it's me or anybody, but try to figure out what it is because in understanding what it is, then you can, you know,
know, explore the different therapeutic options that can at the very least help you manage the issue so that you can live your life day to day without it being, uh, without it affecting you this much. Okay, can I ask you a quick question because I hadn't really heard your show before until mm-hmm. someone referred me to it. Um, what type of a doctor are you? Because I'm in the country and we go to doctors here and it doesn't matter what you have, they just brush it off. And Yeah, I, I'm a chiropractor. My team is composed of all different types of healthcare uh, professionals, all the way from surgeons to physios, uh, but myself, I'm a chiropractor. Okay, that's fine. Okay. That's fine. Then I will probably get in touch with you. Good move, Linda. Do it. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or info at paincarecanada.com. Back to more of your phone calls after a quick break here. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. And right back into your phone calls. By the way, you get that uh, consultation happening. Uh, info at paincarecanada.com to get a hold of Dr. Lou or one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U. Maggie, how are you? Some back pain oh, happening. Hi, good morning, Dr. Lou. Hi. It's about my back pain. I had an x-ray down a couple of years ago, and I have three vertebrae degenerated. And no wonder. I'm 75 years of age. But it's not the problem. My back, my pain is shooting into my uh, sides, and my legs feels like they're made out of cement and I have difficulty to walk. I can walk, but not very far. Right. So that's what it is, the heavy, heavy legs. Okay, and have you had this checked out recently? No. Okay, so I, I would say that that's your best next bet. Again, that that very much to me with the age and the, the, you know, depending on how much degenerative disc disease stuff is going on and your symptoms, it kind of sounds like, yeah, it could be the start of stenosis, spinal stenosis, which is going to affect you very much when you're walking. And every time I see someone with spinal stenosis, I actually spend quite a bit of time with them explaining to them um, what happens in the spine with stenosis, because once you can understand it visually, um, it will, it, it really makes a difference to people. Now, spinal stenosis is one of those things that there's nothing that's going to take that away. But if you can understand it, you can do things to avoid aggravating the symptoms. And every time I show somebody what's going on in the spine with spinal stenosis, everybody always sits there and is like, why is no one ever explained this to me like right. this? Like, and, and understanding knowledge is power because as soon as you understand what's going on, you can do the right things. Now, again, that's me assuming. It sounds like it could be that. Uh, but again, I'd have to assess you and go through a proper history, proper physical exam uh, in order to be certain of what this could be. But it does kind of sound like it could be spinal stenosis. Should I tell my family doctor about it? Yeah, of course. Yeah, you should always mm-hmm. include your family doctor in your uh, in your the issues that you're having. Of course, yeah. So, is there anything I can do about it, or we can do about it? Yeah, again, you, you have to come see me, and I, you know, again, I have to make sure that I, my, for, job number one is assessing you in terms of let's make sure let's let me try to figure out what it is. I, I'm making a, a very big assumption just talk, speaking to you over the radio, just based on some uh, simple things that you've said, but I'm not giving you a diagnosis yet. I'm, I'm simply saying it sounds like it could be that, but it could be a lot of different things as well. Okay, thank you very much. No Dr. problem. Lou. Thank you, Aggie. Appreciate that. Uh, again, one eight five 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 D R L O U. Dr. Lou is that number to call. Kyle, good morning. Hi, how are you doing today? Good, pal. What's going on with you? Oh, not much. Just, just want to run the scenario by you guys. Yep. Um, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I've been in. I was in landscaping for a good nine, ten years, interlocking stones, some pretty grunt lifting stuff. Um, I noticed after I quit, I started getting um, like a golf ball size. Like it almost felt like a muscle in my neck, like just below where my uh, head connects with my neck. Mm-hmm. 
And I, the missus suggested going in to get some chiropractor done. I went in and got an assessment. They uh, weighted me like 300% of my muscles are being used on one side opposed to the other. Um, I guess I had like five ribs out of place or something like that. The chiropractic said that could be a cause from it. But the one question I had for you guys was, uh, it's great that you're a chiropractor too. Um, have you heard of this new tool that they're using instead of um, cracking? It's like a syringe looking thing. Yeah, the activator. Yeah. What do you feel about that? Like, is it a good tool? Like, I don't feel like I'm getting the same relief I would from a self-adjustment. So, yeah, so I, th- let me preface this all by saying that my main job is what I, like, I am a chiropractor, but I mainly just do assessments. So I don't do any more treatment. I don't treat. We do have chiropractors in our team. Um, okay. The chiropractic way that we usually go about things is very much what we would call the pain-based, evidence-based approach where we're treating um, injuries, not just with spinal adjustments or manipulation, but with whatever that may be. Sometimes if someone has a rolled ankle, well, what you're going to do is you're going to you know, put machines on that, you're going to put ice, you're going to show them exercises. So it's a little bit different of a philosophy um, okay. in terms of how, you know, from the more, I guess, let's say traditional or more holistic approach of the chiropractic that you're talking about. Now, the next question that I always look at is research, right? That's the only way that we can ever really base good answers on. Is there good research to, to support the activator, that tool versus spinal manipulation? I have to be honest, I haven't seen any good research on it. Well, having, I haven't seen any either. That's why I asked, yeah, right? Having, now, again, going more m- further than that, I do think there are times where it might be beneficial. Like I've, I've actually, a chiropractor in my office will use it with very young children because obviously you don't, you know, you don't necessarily want to be manipulating. Yeah. yeah. So, so maybe it's a good tool from that. But again, my answers, I'm always going to reserve to what I see from, uh, from the research perspective. And I yeah. just haven't seen good research for it. Now, does that mean, you know, there's a lot of weird things out there that people do and they feel better. And so the next thing that I always say is if you're doing something and you're feeling better then whether the research exists or doesn't exist, maybe there's things we don't fully understand yet. Uh, but, you know, it, maybe it works. The only thing that I always encourage people and the one thing that I hate that I hear is if anywhere you're going, and now this could be a chiropractor, physiotherapist, there should never be scare tactics. There should never be things that, you know, only see me, don't see other people. Yeah. Uh, if you don't do this, this can affect your health. You might die. Those types of things. It, sh- it should be very much if it, you, you're going to buy into that type of philosophy, it should be in the right way, not through scare tactics. So that's kind of my a quick gist of my opinion on that. Well, I appreciate it. Like I said, I, I, it's just new technology to me. I haven't seen it before. I uh, had chiropractic done, I guess, earlier in my childhood, and it was always self-adjustments. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like when I'm in there, it's like, a, like you know, like it's really, like the person's really great and everything. It's just a five-minute, $40, and it's like reload this thing. It's like you're shooting off rounds out of a shotgun sort of thing. <sighs> yeah, quick, and quick, so, quick, I zero. mean, the, the one thing that's always important that I tell patients is, like, if you're already... You know, any type of therapy, even the therapies that have the best clinical research around them that say, yeah, doing this absolutely helps. The one thing that is really, really important is if you believe it's not going to help, then that goes, placebo is a big thing. So already if you're hesitant, if you're not feeling like "Mm, this is not really making sense to me, even if it did work, your mind is going to stop it from working just by that. So I would say just to to not waste anybody's time, to not waste your own, to not waste the chiropractors. If you're not, if you're not jiving with what someone's doing to you or telling you, then I think that's where you cut the relationship. 
Okay, wonderful. I appreciate your time on the subject. No problem. Thanks, Kyle. Appreciate your call and yours as well. We'll get to you here in just a moment after we take a short break. 416-870-6400, star 640 on your cell. More of your phone calls coming up. Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. It is 1142 and we are right back at her. Get to uh, get to Mike. Hey, Mike, how are you, pal? Hey, I'm fantastic. How are you? Good, brother. What's uh, what's going on with you today? All right. So uh, I'm, I'm 40 years old. Uh, good health. Relatively good health. I fell asleep, um, and I woke up. My whole arm was asleep. Okay. And and that was fine. I sort of, you know, sh- shook it off. But since then, for about four weeks, my my right hand's been numb. So all of my uh, my index, all my fingers, and the, my hand feels a little bit swollen. Okay. I went I went to the doctor, um, took some blood. My blood work is fine. Good. I took x-rays of my ha- uh, hands as well. Doesn't appear to anything to be wrong. And he's referred me to a neurologist. I'm just okay. my my question is, <clears throat> um, what would cause my hand? And this is steady numbness. It's, it's not off and on. It's consistent, uh, steady numbness, pins and needles on the tips of my finger, and uh, just a slight swelling in the the meaty part of my hand. Yep, and it's been for four weeks. Yep. Okay. So there, I mean, there's a lot of things that can cause that you, there's what's called peripheral neuropathy. So things like carpal tunnel or uh, ulnar tunnel syndrome, which can cause that type of presentation. It just really depends on which fingers you can also have peripheral entrapments higher up in the arm. So somewhere the muscles in the forearm, something could be going on uh, in those areas. It could be a brachial plexus issue, which is the nerves that come out of the neck and are kind of in the torso. Maybe something, are you a smoker at all? No, but, no. But what led up to this was I, I went on a flight and and uh, I was uncomfortable there, and obviously like my 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 middle of my back as well, uh, you know, was uncomfortable. I, I I may have sat in the wrong position for a little bit too long. I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what could possibly, yeah. and it, it's really annoying because it's been four steady weeks, and the doctor doesn't really have any good answers for me. And right. I went to a massage therapist, and. They tried to do exactly what you said, like release any uh, uh, muscles in my uh, forearm and what have you, but nothing's been working. Yeah, so, so I- yeah, and I again, those are the problem is, is the therapy needs to match up. So let me ask you this. When's your appointment with the neurologist? Uh, they haven't actually scheduled it okay yet. so then so then back. call me come see me and we'll yeah. do a full neurological exam as well and we'll we'll figure it out much quicker you can still see the neurologist just to confirm things if you want but see that that's the issue there's people available um to diagnose these types of issues and rule out very serious things like the neurologist would uh but for whatever reason sometimes family doctors and things aren't sending to those People, but we, this is absolutely something that I can assess. Um, we can do a good neurological exam to just again make sure because this could be a lot of things. Numbness and tingling can be a cause of something in the hand, something in the arm, something in the neck, something in the chest, even something in the spinal cord, even something in the brain. The ladders are are definitely more rare, but it's obviously important to make sure that that is not uh, happening either. So you shouldn't be waiting around if you haven't heard back. Uh, again, we can get you in relatively soon, and and we can assess this and. And again, try to get to the bottom of it so you can start doing the right therapy. So one one of the big things that I find, and, and just to kind of go off topic a little, is that people are often uncertain of a diagnosis, but they're very certain of their symptoms or their signs right. in this type of case. And they're the types of people that'll say, I went to a massage therapist, then they worked on this part. I went there and they worked on this. I went to the osteo and this and that. Sometimes you just got to trust one person 
that can give you a diagnosis, let that person treat you and don't overcomplicate it. Unless they've suggested also see this person for this reason. But a lot of times people are trying to be their own, I'll call it like the general contractors of their own health where they're hiring all these sub trades yeah. and you shouldn't be doing that sometimes. And again, that's not, that's not what you're doing, Mike. I'm just going a little bit off topic because uh, this is what I hear a lot of. Right, you're at the right point because you're not doing very much. Come see me. Let's see what it is. If you can trust me in whatever opinion I give you and follow through with the treatments that I'll recommend, uh, I don't know what that'll be. It very much depends on the diagnosis. You know, people that do that often have very, very good outcomes. Awesome. Thank you very no much, problem. Doctor. Okay, no. Kaylin, I love you. Bye. Thank you. Yep. Thanks, Mikey. Appreciate that. His wife, girlfriend. Oh, I, I thought he said he loved me. Well, I maybe he does. I don't know. You touch a lot of people. Uh, Mike, it's one 855 doctor Lou D-R-L-O-U, to contact info at pinkhaircanada.com as well. Andy, thanks for hanging on. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. Sure. I'm a listener. Uh, I'm a 36-year-old, and uh, I've been lately having the issue. So uh, when I go to sleep and I wake up in the morning, uh, my feet and my legs, they all numb, uh, they all frozen. I can barely walk, and then after probably like 10, 15 minutes, uh, everything comes to normal. But what lately I have been realizing that even when I drive for like 10, 15 minutes, uh, the same concept applies, and uh, I actually need to stretch my legs in order to uh, come back to normal. So I went to my doctors, and the doctor said maybe I should try changing the mattress. That's why I made my doctors. So, so Andy, sorry, how old are you? 36. 36 and okay and besides the doctor telling you to change your mattress did they examine you at all not at all yeah so yeah then that's what i mean that's like those are the things that i hate hearing because how can you recommend to someone to just like you this is a person saying that they're you're a person andy saying that you're waking up and i'm not laughing at you i'm laughing because at how silly it is that you're telling someone you're waking up every morning with numbness and tingling in your legs you're in the car and you get numbness and tingling and their recommendation without even examining you is change your mattress three thousand dollar mattress Change your yeah. mattress. Change the mattress. That's the recommendation. That was, you know, 10 years of schooling in this person, and that's all they could come up with. Andy, you got to come see me. We'll do a good neurological exam. We'll do an orthopedic exam. We'll try to figure out what's going on, and, and I'll give you some better advice than uh, uh, than than uh, to... <laughs> Change where you sleep. Yeah, I heard somebody the other day, they had a knee issue, and they said the doctor told them to buy a bungalow. <laughs> yeah, but the question Fewer is, stairs, right? Yeah. yeah. Any, any ideas what he may be coming from? And, uh... Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of things. Again, numbness and tingling. So well, it's always... Really, what I do is not overly complicated. Anyone that's been listening for a long time could almost, you know, use knows my deductive reasoning. You've got numbness and tingling, which tells us it's a nerve issue because nerves cause that type of symptom the next question becomes what is putting pressure on that nerve is it something is it one of the muscles is it a peripheral neuropathy like a peripheral entrapment um is it something uh, systemic like sometimes people have uh you know high blood sugar or diabetes can cause peripheral neuropathies is it a positional thing with something in the low back is it something within the spinal cord is it something even potentially in the brain again those things are rare but you can't just exclude them without examining someone and i always make sure every time i see someone even if i talk to them and i'm almost 100 percent certain that it's completely benign i always check the more serious things because i just want to be certain Okay, no okay. problem. And uh, I guess I can find you at drlu.com. 
paincarecanada.com or 1-855-55-DR-LOU. Or if you just want to go ahead and book that assessment straight, 416-744-7900. Thanks, Andy. Appreciate that. Ron, I see you there. We will get to you in your phone calls. Bad knee, go buy a bungalow. Thanks, a $900,000 cure. Yeah. You're excellent. <laughs> More of your phone calls coming up. Dr. Payne, Show Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Now 11.52 in a bit. Your phone calls, 416-870-6400, star 640 on cell. Been fast and furious today for sure. Ron, thanks for hanging in, fella. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Good. What's going on with you? Buy a bungalow, Ron. Buy a bungalow, Ron. That's, that's the only advice. Even that's we're bad getting. advice. There's still grass cutting. There's still like, yeah, buy yeah, a condo you're if you're going to get condo, that advice. First floor condo. That's, that's what it. you should do right now, Ron. <laughs> uh, ironically, I am a realtor. So. Oh, there, oh, there, you, there you go. go. Done. We, we could work in tandem. It's Every all come together. I see, we could sell okay. them a condo. Sounds good. Okay. <laughs> hey, so, um, so I've been dealing a lot with uh, a foot pain um, since a year and a half, and. It was initially started as a fracture. Then um, my left foot started paining. And finally, about eight months back, I was diagnosed as psoriatic arthritis. Okay. And, uh, and I've been um, on a Metatrex injection yep. and also a, a tablet for psoriasis. Okay. So the, the diag- basically the, the cure is to um, what suggested was to is to bring down the psoriasis so that the arthritis comes down. Right, so okay. It looks like it's um, taking forever, and uh, my uh, now I, I feel some pain in my uh, in my in my hand also. So I don't know what's going on. So just want an opinion that is it is it a time-consuming process? Because it's affected. I used to be a runner, or I can't run anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just so, so to, yeah. So who diagnosed you with the psoriatic arthritis? Um. It's my fam, my family doctor at uh, Sunnybrook, and also uh, the rheumatologist. Okay, rheumatologist. Yeah, I mean, psoriatic arthritis is essentially. So what that? So what they're essentially saying is you have an autoimmune disorder. So you have your immune system is attacking your body. Um, a lot of times, psoriatic arthritis is a diagnosis of, you know, it presents very much like rheumatoid arthritis um, or other types of autoimmune diseases that have better markers. A lot of the times you can't find the marker for, you know, something more common like a rheumatoid arthritis, but the person has a history of psoriatic arthritis. So we we end up saying, okay, it's psoriatic arthritis. All, all it really means, it doesn't really matter what the name is. What it means is that you have an overactive immune system that is attacking your body. It's affecting your skin which is why you get psoriasis and it's also now starting to affect your joints um so now the the therapy all the therapy that you're doing is very much targeted towards suppressing the immune system or suppressing inflammation um usually what i recommend to so this is something yes that is unfortunately once you have psoriatic arthritis you always have psoriatic arthritis this isn't something there's no known cures or anything like that for it so it can be progressive however you can manage it very very well And often what I'll tell people to do is not only do the medical treatment like you are doing currently, but also get involved with, say, someone like a naturopath who can add in some natural things to help fight inflammation that could help change your diet to a more type of anti-inflammatory diet and work at something like this from both the eastern and western side, even things like acupuncture using everything that we have at our disposal in our world right now to target that is our is the best type of approach. Okay. 
Okay, so give me a call. I can help set you up with the right type of people to also deal from that more holistic perspective. And again, this is not saying this. I I hate the word alternative Mm -hmm. because it suggests do something different than what you're doing. What I like to say is integrative. So do this alongside with what you're already doing. Laveed, how are you? Hi, how are you? Good, what's up? Um, My back and uh, my doctor, he said I have arthritis. Okay. I don't know. Only painkiller. I take a lot of painkiller. Okay, so so what's the question? Are you trying to ask me if, if you have arthritis? No, I have already arthritis in my back. Can you fix it that? Well, again, the going back to what I said at the beginning of the show, a lot of times people have a lot of arthritis and have no back pain, and sometimes people have excruciating back pain and no arthritis. What we need to do is correlate or, or try to match up. Does the arth- What we see on the image, does that make sense with what we see in the person in front of us? And that is not always the case. A lot of times it's 50-50. So what we need to do with you is just try to see, is the arthritis the cause of your pain, or is your pain being caused from something else if it is the cause of the pain yes there are some things that could be done um if it's not the cause of your pain the good news is there's probably still things that could be done but i would have to assess you in order to be sure okay when i can come to you to see you when can you come you're gonna have to call the office i'm going i'm headed there right after this but call one 55 dr lou and uh we can help set something up dan last call of the day got about a minute what's going on yeah, hi. Quickly, um, I've been uh, I've had an MRI done and uh, pretty conclusive for my family doctor that I need to have a, a knee replacement. And I'm just mm-hmm. curious as to um, your opinion on a on a partial knee replacement because the lateral side of my knee is in perfect shape, all the ligaments are okay too, versus a full. I don't hear a lot here in Canada about partial knee replacement. No. I hear a lot about states. So just wondering about your opinion, and can I come and see you for an initial assessment that you could then send me to a surgeon? Yes, so yes to the second. In terms of the partial versus the full knee replacement, you're right. I don't, they're not done here as much. I guess the question becomes, well, what's the benefit of the partial versus the full? Like, and, and, I, and I think that answer very much is not a general answer. It's something that a surgeon would have to sit with you and say, you know, Dan, here's the advantage to a partial knee replacement for you versus a full knee replacement. I don't, I can't think of anything like besides the fact that you're just keeping one side as the natural side, uh, why there's any advantage to it, like from a broad perspective. But you're right, it is, it is sometimes done. I think it very much depends on what you see on the imaging and you know, and, and then what the surgeon's opinion. I think a surgeon's opinion in that scenario is, you know, much more valuable than mine. But going to your second question, we can absolutely assess you, and then we can send you off to uh, one of the surgeons in our team to, to get it looked at further. Okay, thank you. Okay, no problem. Thanks, Dan. Busy, Busier than a one-legged man in an ass-kicking contest, my friend. We are smoking <laughs> through them today. There you go. And, and this is – it's simple. This is this is the phone call, so just yep. give me a call. We can – this continues uh, – even during the week when I'm not here. Yep. one 855 Dr. Lou, D-R-L-O-U, or email is also a, a very good option, info at paincarecanada.com. Get on it. Don't wait. Start feeling better. Until next time, Dr. Payne Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.